you know, really some of those things um, are part of my practice because they've been a part of my life in mm. different ways. And, you know, very often with therapists, we, we, the places in therapy and practice that resonate with us are places that touch us. Mm. And, you know, for me, that's a very important part of the person that I bring into the room when I'm sitting with clients. Um, and so, yeah, that's a part of the journey that I've had in coming into the place where I am and, you know, I share that with, with my clients and, you know, hopefully use the experiences that I've had to help them along their path. Hi, thanks for joining us at the Scaling Therapy Practice. This is the show where we encourage you to take small steps of growth every day. Uh, this inter this show is an interview with Ann Burkhart. I met Ann in a breakout room uh, for an event. We are both speakers at the Practice of the Practice Level Up Week. And I started hearing her story about where she started out from and where she went. And I thought that was a great story of perseverance and um, just taking some some life struggles and turning them into some meaning. Out of Anne's struggle came some decisions that led to her finding some meaning and joy in her life, despite all the problems that she was having. And I know you're going to enjoy hearing about Anne and her story. If you want to hear more about Anne, she is a presenter at the Level Up Week for Practice of the Practice, and I'll put a a link in the show notes for you there if it's if you're listening to this in March 20 uh, the end of March 2023 uh, you can sign up for that and you can hear more from her it's uh, a free a free event practice of the practices putting on so let's listen to the interview from Anne uh, from loss to a meaningful and joyful life I know you're going to enjoy it Hello, this is James with the Scaling Therapy Practice. I have a special guest today, Ann Burkhart. Um, and uh, hello, Ann. Hi, how are you, James? Welcome to the show. I met Ann um, at a, uh, we're doing a level up event, the practice of the practice. And uh, that's coming up here in two weeks. And I met her in one of our meetups. And I just loved her story of how it had some twists mm -hmm. and turns. Um, let me introduce, let me read the introduction for Anne, and then I'll let her introduce herself. Um, and we're going to get into her story, but Anne is a marriage and family therapist in Charlotte, North Carolina. She approaches therapy through the idea that we are all in relationships that affect our emotional and daily lives. These are relationships with other people that may be physically present in our lives, may be psychologically present in our lives, or the relationship we have with ourselves. She has uh, completed her level three Gottman training, as well as other Gottman trainings, and specializes in working with couples, healing their relationships, and individuals healing their relationships with themselves, including substance abuse, codependency, and healing from narcissistic relationships. Awesome. Well, Ian, so welcome to the show. Thanks for okay. joining us. Oh, thank you. So glad to be here today. Appreciate it. So that's a lot uh, that that you do. What what's Charlotte like right now? Oh, Charlotte is. I think we're starting to hit pollen season. Everything already. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe it's it's already 
hit 80 and we're just at the beginning of March, but it is just bursting out spring everywhere you look. What are, uh, so hearing about 80s at the uh, end of February, beginning of March yes. makes me wonder, what are the housing prices in Charlotte? <laughs> they are blooming just as much as oh, the okay. lives are, right? right. Here well, Charlotte. Charlotte is one of the top real estate markets in the country and wow. just things are just still flying off the shelves here. Okay. Well, 80 yeah. in March, I can understand yep. why. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with my Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're 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 in the fifties, sixties, mm. so it's not bad. Mm -hmm. Just not, just not eighty. Yeah. So, uh, so I did your little introduction, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's it's as she said, I am a marriage and family therapist. I work primarily with couples, um, and people working through different types of attachments. And um, really, everybody has a relationship going on in their life. And as I said, sometimes it's the person that you, you were living with. Sometimes it's somebody that you wish were in your life, like somebody that you're hoping to meet. Maybe it's somebody that you lost at some point, a parent or a relationship. Or sometimes it's just working on the relationship with ourselves. How is that affecting how we show up in the day and, and how we approach our life and the decisions that we're making? So... All, lots of good places in there where things just kind of weave together. And, you know, I sit with folks and, you know, take that journey with them trying to, to put the puzzle pieces of life together. Great. And th those last three, three or four things from your intro about substance abuse, codependency mm -hmm. and narcissism. Yeah. Those aren't, those aren't easy. Like those are heavy hitters as far as diagnoses yeah. and problems. How did you kind of gear yourself towards that way because it sounds like you took the hard road with with that <laughs> well so you know really some of those things um are part of my practice because they've been a part of my life in mm. different ways and you know very often with therapists we we the places in therapy and practice that resonate with us are places that touch us mm. and you know for me that's a very important part uh, the person that I bring into the room when I'm sitting with clients. Um, and so, yeah, that's a part of the journey that I've had in coming into the place where I am. And, you know, I share that with, with my clients and, you know, hopefully use the experiences that I've had to help them along their path. Great. And that's one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because you, uh, when we were just doing our little meet and greet, you talked about your story and how it's like windy and, <laughs> it, it isn't like a direct path from like I graduated high school and I always wanted to be a therapist and I went to graduate school and I started my office. Um, you have this interesting story that we're going to talk about in a few minutes mm -hmm. about how you started out and where you ended up and now where uh, people come to you mm -hmm. or um, the Gottman, um, tra the, like the, you're the expert, right? Like you're, you're the expert in your area on this. And it wasn't something that you had started out planning, but just something you worked toward. So we're going to get to that. Before we do that, let's do our tool tip or tech uh, of the week. I'll start first. And I read this uh, quote. Um, this is just a tip of the week. It's from Adam Grant. Uh, I follow him on LinkedIn. Uh, and he he's an author. And he, he, wrote, he had this phrase, 
We miss out on opportunities when we only ask what could go wrong. It's also worth asking what could go right. Change carries risk. We might fail, but sticking to the status quo also brings risk. We might fail to grow. It's better to test and learn than to never test at all. And I just, I felt that because uh, my, my default, if you've listened to this show or read some of my stuff, my default is security. My, my default is status quo yep. and not to take risks, not to put yourself out there uh, because of the fear of failure, the fear of, fear of judgment, the fear of comparison. And I, I love this turn that staying, staying the status quo is, is also risky. Like you could risk mm -hmm. your future, could risk mm -hmm. your growth. You could risk the joy that you can get from the change, even though it's painful. And, and uh, like I wrote it down on a three by five card and I'm going to read it a couple of times just to, yeah. just to help me remember that staying the same is also risky. Uh, what do you, what do you think about that? And Oh, I, that resonates so, so much with me as well. I was just sitting there listening and letting it soak in and thinking, oh, I've got to get a copy of this and, and take this in and, and make it a part of what I talk about with folks. You know, it, it resonated with me because one of the reasons I named my practice Embrace is because it didn't, to me, it is all about going through life and embracing the experiences that we can have. Mm -hmm. And I have found in, you know, going into solo practice and launching and that sort of thing, finding embracing my fears has been one of the most joyful and most freeing things that I've ever done. And again, most unexpected. Um, you know, I spent so many years, decades going, don't want to face that fear, don't want to look at it, want to pretend it's not there. And yet in these moments where I have learned to just look at it in the eye, stare it down, and face it. It is so freeing. And life on the other side of that can be just absolutely wonderful. So absolutely agree with it completely. All right. Uh, yeah. So um, thanks for your perspective on that. Life on the other side. That, that would mm -hmm. also be a thing for a podcast <laughs> yes. to put it on a t-shirt or a bumper oh, sticker too, because life on the other side mm -hmm. of your fear is much better. Oh, yes. All right. So Ann, what's your tip or tool or tech of the week? Yeah, what I've been talking about with my clients lately is is something that one of my my peers from practice the practices um, has going on in her office right now, and it's the idea. She's a financial coach, and, and her idea was um, restriction is poverty, and it's like, well, you know, I've got to borrow that one. And talking with my clients and about how our fears kind of tapping into what you were saying, how our fears restrict us and what it keeps us from being able to experience in life and taking poverty, the idea of poverty out of just financial poverty and into poverty of emotion and poverty of relationship and poverty of connection. And so my clients and I, um, the women's group that I run, we've been talking about this restriction that we have emotionally when we don't allow ourselves to go outside of the, the box of the rules and the mindset that we have for ourselves. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that. That's uh, another way to think of, you know, not poverty is not just money, but poverty mm -hmm. of like lack of experience, lack of growth, lack of relationships. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Great. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you for that. So now we're going to move into your story, which is the, you know, the purpose for this, this uh, interview is just your, you were sharing about your experiences mm-hmm. and how you ended up where you were. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this, this is something the audience would want to learn because as we're talking about growing and scaling, yeah. it's, you mm-hmm. have grown at many different stages of your mm-hmm. career to finally where at the end, as I said, I, you know, spoiler, the people come to you for something that is well, well um, needed. So, uh, and you found your niche. So I wanted to hear about that yeah. and just expl- have a conversation with you about how you, you know, you started. So, you know, why don't you, um, can you tell me maybe uh, your, your story and how you came into the field? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my story began years ago when I was a little girl, um, had a sister raised by a single mother um, and mom in probably a, a security type thing said, okay, my sister, you're going to be the nurse and you're going to be the teacher. This is the way life is going to be. It's going to be fabulous. You can have your babies and stay home with them during the summertime and life is going to be wonderful. Uh, and I did that. And um, it was not what I wanted to do. I had wanted to be a journalist, but I went to school, got my um, teaching certificate, got a master's in education, uh, got married, had a baby, did all of that, kind of fast forward a bunch of years and hit those years in marriage where things sometimes um, start to come apart mm-hmm. and went through that and became a single mother with a child who was in middle school, going into high school, um, tough years, and took a while spending that time trying to get myself back up on my feet, trying to get my child into a good place and getting, you know, launched and really starting to think about what do we want that next phase in our life to look like. And starting to recognize then I had never learned how to dream. I was never allowed to do that. And so making decisions in more of the short term. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to get us going? What do I need to do to keep us financially afloat during these Mm. times? I did not want to go back to teaching. You know, teaching is an absolute wonderful profession and it is difficult to be a single parent on that salary, you know. Um, Ended up going into sales, started selling real estate. Um, you know, did that while my daughter was going through high school, um, finally got to that wonderful place where she launched, very excited, went off to college, had a great first semester. She was excited about her major, student athlete, and as a parent, you know, you kind of cross your fingers and you hold your breath and you're like, you know, we just threw the spaghetti up against the wall, let's hope it sticks, we'll see what happens this first semester. And she came home that first semester, great grades, we had a wonderful time watching the events um, she was uh, participating in with her athletics. She came home for Christmas and it's like, this is wonderful. I can't wait to go back. And as a parent, I kind of went, wow, okay, I can breathe a sigh of relief right now. Um, she went back to school. And very shortly after that, our wonderful, wonderful little furry companion, uh, we had a Westie named Coconut. We'd had for about 15 years, and she had gotten my daughter through all of the transitioning and the difficult moments, things like that. And we lost her about two weeks after my mm-hmm. daughter went to school. And for me, that really kick-started a lot of, a lot of pivotal moments for me. Um, the grief that I went through in losing Coconut was profound. 
it really shook me to my core. I had always considered her to be my daughter's dog. And, but I suddenly, I was at home by myself, a single parent, an empty nester parent. The companion that we'd had for 15 years was gone. And I would get up in the morning and I would just sit on the edge of my bed and sob for an hour. You know, everything in my life had felt so incredibly empty. Mm. And I started questioning just really, what am I supposed to be doing in my life? And at that point, I had been doing um, some volunteer work with one of the nonprofits here in Charlotte, um, a mental health agency, and doing some fundraising and board work and volunteer work for them and just really having this moment where that fed my soul, going into some of the events and, and working with the folks that we were serving just brought me to my life. And so I had this balance between I've got this career in sales, which has absolutely no fulfillment whatsoever, but you know, it pays the bills. It was great for that. And then working in the nonprofit part and going, this really just gives me joy. It brings me joy. It's my reason to get up every morning. What do I do? And so I thought, okay, this is my turn. Child is off in college. Everything looks good to go with that. What do I need to be doing with life? And trying to find a job in the nonprofit field was eye-opening. I had reached a point where very, very humbling, looking at a very entry-level position with a local nonprofit just to do some basic fundraising and that. I am in no way qualified for this job. I don't know how to do an Excel spreadsheet. I don't know how to work Microsoft. I've never created a PowerPoint in my life. I have no tech skills at all. And that was, I mean, it was humbling is, is the best word. It shook me to realize I was in the middle of my life and all of these deep experiences that I had been through addiction, mental health issues within my family, divorce, single parents, you know, rebuilding life, you know, had master's degree in education and looking at my life and going, I have all these incredible experiences and yet I'm not qualified to do this job because I don't have any computer experience. I don't know how to do anything. What in the world am I supposed to be doing life? And I was about six weeks after the, the loss of the dog and just really starting to head to, to some depression with all of that. And I remember going to bed one night, it was Wednesday night, planning on getting up and going to my sales office the next morning. And about two o'clock during the night, I remember just suddenly sitting straight up in bed and hearing this voice say, you need to go to this local university tomorrow morning. And I just went, okay. Lay down and went back to sleep. In my mind, I can hear that voice as clearly now as, as the day that it that it spoke to me. In my mind, I know it was I know it was God. That is my higher power. You know? Um, and I knew that was who it was. And I had absolutely no questioning that voice. And I followed it. I did not have an appointment at the university. I showed up at the admissions department and said, you know, I'm not really sure why I'm here, but I think I'm supposed to go back to school. Is there anybody here who talked to me? And I spoke with him about my background, that I had a master's in education, and I was working in this nonprofit, and this, and this person in admission said, you know, I really think you need to speak with this person in this department because this person teaches in these two different areas, and I think that was the person who can point you in the right direction. 
And I did the same thing. Walked over to that person's office. I showed up. I knocked on the door. She was there. The universe was helping me out. She was in her office and she took about 20 minutes and sat down and talked to me. And she goes, you don't need to be here. You need to go and get your graduate degree in this. And I said, well, I don't, you know, marriage and family therapist. Well, I don't have a psychology background. I used to teach first grade. I'm not qualified. <laughs> you know, although there is a lot of psychology. Oh, right. you know, so, there's a lot of temper tantrums in first grade. And like bad yeah, behavior. And learning to be real people. So Yeah, sharing. Some overlap. Yeah. You know, all this important things we learn in kindergarten, first grade is so very true. Maybe all therapists should be first grade teachers first before they become therapists. It it really is a lot of fun. First grade can can be a very joyful experience. But anyway, so this 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 lovely this lovely woman says, Go to this university. It was about ten minutes away. Just go talk to this person, tell her what's going on. And I did. I, I made an appointment. I went over there the next day. And that the head of the department, the marriage and family therapy department said, okay, you know, let's get your application in. And this is the moment where life just really shifted because at this point it was middle of March, end of March. I had missed the admissions deadline. I had never taken the GRE. Mm-hmm. All, and it, within three weeks, I put my application in. I had the references in all my transcripts from the multiple universities that I've gone to. I went through the group interview, found out that I needed to take the GRE. That was on Tuesday afternoon. I signed up for it, took it on Thursday morning. Um, I think I just mostly got credit for spelling my name correctly and knowing what the the date was. Uh, But made it through that, sat through class, and was admitted in three weeks. Wow. Six weeks later, I started the program. And it was such, going into that program, uh, it was just, it it took my breath away. Having that moment where I sat in there and went, all of a sudden, everything in my life made sense. All the experiences that left me feeling so doubting of my own self-worth because they didn't transfer to the normal resume. You know, they didn't leave me knowing how to fill out an Excel sheet, spreadsheet, but they did leave me with that ability to sit with somebody else and go, I get you. Mm. I hear it. It makes sense to me. I understand that feeling, you know, I'm that ability to empathize, that ability to be able to tap into those feelings and recognize it in the other person and feel it along with them. Um, you know, I had my life made sense is the best that I can say it. And, you know, such an incredible, incredible moment to have had such a clear signal that this is what your path is. This is the place that you are supposed to be. Uh, and, you know, here I am these years later. Uh, so joyful. I mean, I absolutely love what I do. Um, I had a professor, I started my Gottman training my first year in school, and I'd even had a professor tell me what a waste of time it was to do What? That. Really? Yeah. It is Why? a waste of fun. It's a waste of money. You know, you need to be practicing this type of, of therapy, this theory. Um, this is who you are. Was, you know, she wanted me to do narrative and around grief and loss. 
I said, yeah, that's a part of it. But this just speaks to me. And again, it was me starting that beginning place in my life where allowing those places where I feel like this just speaks to me. To kind of put that fear aside, to put it aside, that idea, I can't see it. I can't touch it. How do I just honor this feeling that I have? And learning to do that and learning to trust that I will understand it at some point. It will make sense at some point. And it has. So I have continued while in graduate school doing my Gottman training, graduating, finishing Gottman training, um, and just have found myself in this position where everything about my life makes sense and I can sit with people and go, yeah, I get that. And it is authentic. I hope, you know, it feels authentic and real for me. Um, and we're able to reach those places where they are finding the place where this makes sense for them. And we can get to those vulnerable moments where the healing actually occurs. That, yeah, that's, in, that's inspiring. Um, yeah. I wanted to, to back up a little bit because you yeah. said you had, a, I don't know if you, you saw the video, I wrote like eight things down. So we'll try okay. to get to some of them and just feel, feel yeah. free to, um, you know, talk a little bit about some of these. So you, you talked about a point in your life where you were, you sat down and you're like, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. And what you went to was the, the things that brought you meaning mm -hmm. uh, with your volunteer work. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit and how important it is to find, find those things that bring meaning to your life? Um, yes. Um, well, yeah, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really go looking for those experiences. Again, I had a friend in my life. Um, I think she, I had a couple, I had a couple of wonderful friends that I think got really tired of hearing me grouse about, um, trying to date after divorce and, and mm. that thing. And they're like, and you've got to go get a life. You've got to go find something to do. And I had been doing volunteer work before then with um, a, an agency that, that supports teachers here in Charlotte. And a friend of mine said, hey, I've, I've got this, this person that I know who is rotating off the board with this mental health um, agency. And I think it'd be a great fit for you to, to go work over there to start spending some time with them. And it was the same thing. And it, I, I didn't realize that that was the beginning of this pattern of people being in my life and kind of redirecting me when I would allow myself to be influenced by that. And she said, you know, go talk to this person. And I did. And I started as a volunteer with one of their programs and working with all uh, the folks that were serving in that program and just going, wow, this is amazing to sit with people in this place in their life. And just to be in that, in that particular program, uh, just to be a friend to people working through all uh, mental distress of some kind you need to be a companion a friend with them and we would i would meet with my person you know once a month twice a month text check in that sort of thing and just recognizing now i was starting that path towards my life beginning to make sense because of um for me it resonated with me because in my family all the places of addiction places of mental health difficulties, distress, and diagnoses, and things like that. Uh, you know, 
I could lean into it, I think. You know, it wasn't unfamiliar to me. And I could be there with somebody and go, uh-huh, yeah, I know, I understand that. I can feel that. I didn't know how to put the therapist words to it. But I, I knew that I was comfortable in that space and it felt calming for me. You know, my life was beginning to make sense in those places. So, so yeah. Um, uh, I find, um, man, I, I wish, I wish I had automatic recall, but what, as you were talking, I was thinking about Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search yeah. for Meaning and mm-hmm. like how you can endure, like when you lose meaning and purpose in your life, you're, you kind of lose hope, but if mm-hmm. you have some meaning, um, you can endure the most horrific situations. I know the book is mm-hmm. much deeper than that. But that's what that's where I went to. You're talking about your situation and how there was like all this deep sense of loss and like rebuilding and like what is where is the meaning? Uh, and you found it not not necessarily in serving yourself, but reaching out to other people. And I just, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it, it spoke to me a little bit there. Uh, you also you also talked about some uh, like you called it shook something shook you. And I just wrote down shook me events. Like, um, there, there are times, I guess, in our lives where we have to, you know, we get shook or call our call to action. How do we recognize these like events that shook us and so that we can take action, uh, for that? That's a really good question. Um, I talk about that with my clients. Um, and this was one of the fears uh, multiple fears that I've had to work through over the past few years. And it's the idea, I think, of taking the blinders off. And I had a therapist challenge me oh. on this in one instance where I was, wasn't was seeing and giving credit to my child for some things happening. And the therapist just looked me straight in the eye and said, and you've got to take the blinders off. Mm. Success, her success does not come in the way that you necessarily want it or have to judge it as being. You need to take the blinders off, put away your measuring stick, and just let her be herself. And that was a pivotal moment for me. And I talk about this within the women's group. It's the these places in our life where we have that really small moment that kind of shakes us a little bit, that, that moment of, oh, wow, yeah, didn't see it like that. Now I get it, that perspective. Um, when we have to be willing to allow that to influence us, um, to be willing to to hear those words and recognize that maybe there's a little truth in there about myself. And am I willing to recognize myself in that truth and look at this as a place of learning and growth or am I going to push back against it? And when we allow ourselves to accept it, to learn and grow from it, and it's successful, how do we then apply that to other places in our life? What are other places where we can have those moments or maybe life or universe or a higher power is trying to give us those moments and we're just not recognizing them because we've got those blinders on. Life has to look like this. I I certainly resonate with the blinders. Uh, It's so much easier to see the problems in other people's lives than the, the the problems in our own lives. And that just speaks yeah. to, you know, being willing to open yourself up to a few or a couple yeah. people 
a group of people that can speak wisdom and truth into your lives and give you that perspective that we are, you know, we're blind to until yeah. it's pointed out. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I think there's also an element in there, James, of, of giving up control. And I don't mean giving up control in, a, in an unhelpless sort of manner, but just allowing ourselves to absorb what the day is delivering and going, what part of this do I use going forward? Rather than going through that with that idea of that restriction of my day must look this, it has to flow in this manner. These things have to happen. And more importantly, this is what I work on, I work with clients and relationships. This idea that I need you, you must respond in a certain way to me so that my day stays going forward in this way. That sense of control, which gives us a false sense of security and safety, mm -hmm. uh, can keep us from really missing those moments that tear us down, take us down to our foundation and allow us to grow as we rebuild. Yeah. Um... I think we, we miss a lot. Well, I know I miss a lot when I'm not looking for that or aware of it. Yeah. A couple, couple more things. One is, uh, you, you, you just, uh, when, when you had to make a decision, you just showed up, like you went, you went to the place, you went to the office, you did the stuff you could have not done it, but yeah. sometimes opera, sometimes growth happens when we show up and do the thing, the, just the next thing. You didn't know where you were going. You didn't know I, what I career didn't. you were showing up for. You just like, and, uh, I'm going to go to this office and see what happens. And and you and you know, any anybody who who knows me will go, okay, that is just so not Anne. I I am just not normally that person. I've got the to do list. I've got the calendar. All all this sort of stuff. Um, but that that voice, that voice, spoke. I heard such surety such clarity in it that i did not have a moment's doubt in that and that was completely opposite of everything else that was going on in my life and i think it finally took me to that place that place where i said why not you know mm. these accepting this moment i've just heard this just go see what it's all about that moment of why not? Why not this path? Uh, was very, very different. And thank goodness, you know, finally came to my senses and began listening. And then, and then, uh, yeah, and I'm glad you did. The, the last thing you talked about, it's another thing that spoke to me was when you talked about joy and your joyful life mm -hmm. and how your, how your, your, the work you're doing now is bringing you joy mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of people out there, even in the therapy world, therapists who are not joyful, like their, their lives and the work that they do is not bringing them joy. And yeah. it's, it's more of a grind and, uh, you know, I'm mm -hmm. going to do this to make a living until I die type of thing. So can you, this is like a multi-part question, but can you describe, sure. so can you describe the importance of joy in your life? And then if somebody if somebody doesn't have that joy, how, what would you advise them? Like, how would they, how could they pursue their joy and find, you know, find some of that joy for themselves? Yeah. 
Um, for me, the, the, the joy in my life, the joy in this profession is about embracing the growth every day brings. I think one of the best things about my job is that the person I wake up in, as in the morning, I am not that person to go to bed at night. There has been something, a discussion, a conversation, a moment of learning that has happened that changes, changes me. And those moments are there for all of us to be able to use in our life. And I think a lot of times, James, it comes down to, are we able to define ourselves or are we in a place where we are allowing other people to define us? Either through say that again. Can you say that again? Because I I think that's like (laughs) you're hitting on another thing I struggle with. So go ahead. Can you say that again for me? Yeah. You know, or or do we have the mindset? Are we defining ourselves or are we living in a mindset where we are allowing other people to define who we are going to be? And a lot of times that comes down to that sense of self worth. You know, do am I deciding? my worth and accepting my worth and, and embracing worth or am I allowing other people to make that decision for me and that can happen within a relationship again the relationship with yourself if it's negative self-talk if it's a relationship an intimate relationship or a parent-child relationship or even the messages that society sends you know that you are worthy if you drive this certain type of car or to make this type of money or if you've had this profession that sort of thing um, and it's really about moving towards that place of embracing our unworthiness and to kind of leave those measuring sticks behind and go, what truly brings me joy? And my belief now, after all of these years of moving through this, of landing in this place of, you know, when I follow my joy, all the other things will follow along. And when I'm following my joy and I'm in that place and I am showing up as my authentic self. And I think at the at the basis of life, people just want connection. They want to be in relationships that feel good, that feel authentic, that they can show their vulnerability, receive support, give support, um, and are joyful in that way. Yeah, showing up as your authentic self is yeah. is is key in in not comparing yourself or letting the other forces uh dictate mm-hmm. you know i don't have this car that means i'm not happy but do you really want the car yeah. like like it's yeah. it's a uh, it's an interesting and thought-provoking question mm-hmm. uh so it so it sounds like you learned some lessons along the way let's spend a few minutes talking about those lessons uh that you've learned what are some of the things that your journey has taught you oh my journey has taught me um, that embracing your fears, it's so much better on the other side. When you lean in and you look at things and you, you know, I, I, I tell my folks, um, you got to go through the muck to get unstuck. You know, you've got to lean into that and come out the other end and embrace the learning that comes a long way with that. Even the lessons that are hard. Um, for me, going into solo practice, um, so much doubt about it, you know, financial fears, you know, from, from growing up, my mother was a social worker and, um, so we, we didn't grow up with the riches or things like that, very much scarcity. 
oh, and going to the grocery store and that sort of thing. And all those things, bringing others forward, uh, you know, and, and listening to, to Les McGowan will do a Q&A one day. And, you know, he's like, you just got to base your numbers, you know, you get, and he tells the story about how he would sit down in the morning and just stare at his spreadsheet and go, yep, this is what they are. And as a practice owner, having to learn to do that and suddenly realizing that the avoiding facing the numbers of the business side of everything, I wasn't experiencing the joy of this, of these moments of, wow, you know, I've, you know, done this and this and this, and, and, and this is actually working. It's unbelievable. So unexpected because, you know, certainly I didn't go into therapy for the business side of it. It was all about the right. emotional side of things. Um, but also just really learning to be okay with who I am and to be okay to say this idea of saying no, to be able to say yes. I talk about that with clients a lot too. And in my practice, saying no to some of the things that would be financially more successful in order to be able to say yes to things that are my core, my value. Um, and it's things like I, you know, I do individual and couples sessions. Um, I also do the groups, uh, which I do at basically at cost because for some folks that allows them a place to be able to come in and experience the connection that they need. They, that being in that room with everybody else. And for those moments, suddenly their life feels, their life is making sense. They feel this sense of connection, this idea, I'm not alone self-doubt or, or whatever it is that I may be working through in that moment. Um, and it's important to me, you know, to, to give that space to people, to be able to offer it. Um, and then also some of the workshops that I do for couples, again, it's, it's about just allowing that access for people to be able to come in and, and have the moments that they need with that. Um, for me, that's, uh, and I also work with the, the university from which I graduated with their graduate students going through their personal growth hours Then you know, we have to be put through our paces and work through our stuff before we're allowed to, to sit with other people, um, and, uh, giving them the opportunity to be able to do that. Because I think it's so much about, yes, I have a solo practice and there's the business side of it, but I also have the responsibility. Mm -hmm. And the belief and the value that what I do, I'm here because other people did that for me. Hmm. And so now it's my turn. And it's a part of, it's part of who I am. And it's a part of how I practice business with that. So it's kind of the balancing of those. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful story of staying true to who you are and doing the things you believe in, which makes you um, just stronger. Like it's just a stronger place of n not just business, but a stronger person to, to work within your core beliefs. Um, yeah. which is, I'm sure is probably one of the reasons why you've been successful is working in the, the area that, that is your, your strength and your core. Um, so I wanted to get, um, I did want to get to the part about, um, learning when you you had been a success i'm mm. sure like can you tell that story this is i think you told this story okay. in our meet and greet and um like 
yeah. Joe, can you just explain, like, you've been working and yeah. and your your college professor said, don't go do this thing. It's going to be a waste of time and money. You should do this other thing. Uh, tell tell your story about when you knew you were going to be a success. Yeah. So, you know, this, the, the business side of things, you know, working in the planning and, you know, the, you know, trying to look at what are my plans going to be for 2023? What are the things that I wanted to do? All of that sort of thing. And, um, you know, finally getting to this place of, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got this, this, this workshop that I'm doing, love doing that, love having that experience. Um, excuse me, the, the women's group. And now I want to bring this workshop on and start doing this. And, and that sort of thing. And again, it was one of those weeks so unexpected and just kind of like what just happened and ran my advertising for the workshop, um, had run my advertising for the women's group. And it was the women's group that got picked up by one of the local news agencies and said, hey, you know, I just got this random email one day. Hey, we, we saw your, your mention of this and we'd like to talk with you and do an interview with you. And I mean, I had this moment of really, what kind of scam email is this? You know, why would somebody do this? This doesn't make any sense. And so like, okay, well, you know, looked it up and I went, oh my gosh, this is real. And unfortunately the, the workshop had already, excuse me, the, the women's group had already started. So I, and you know, that those entries were closed, but I said, hey, you know, I've got this workshop coming up. I'd love to be able to talk with you about that. Because again, it's about bringing different types of, of mental health care to different places in the community in different formats, just to try to allow access in, in many different ways and places that we can. They said, great, you know, okay, so we got a, a date set for the show and went in and did the show. And that was so much fun, so much fun. Loved, loved doing that. Um, I was on the show with a comic book artist and somebody who does Corgi rescues and went, wow, boy, I'm coming in after them. Wonder how this is going to end up panning out. It's an interesting combination of, of topics to have. <laughs> but in the same week that that show aired, I had two, two, um, two folks reach out to chat and they both said, this person said, you are the one that I need to call. You are the one that I need to talk to in Charlotte. And it was so surprising because I, I did not know the person that was referring them. And I went, what just happened? How can that be? And, you know, having this moment that weekend when I sat down and kind of reflected what what went on this weekend. Wow. When, when did I become that person? I've just been going along doing my thing and you know, seeing my clients and showing up for work. And yeah, we're going to do this workshop. You know, people were saying they need it. So we created it and did it. Yep. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and not really paying any attention to trying to, to be the expert or be the go-to person or anything like that. And then, but just suddenly having this moment of, you know, people going, you're the one that we want to talk to. Specifically for the Gottman mm-hmm. therapy, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, wow. That, that is, that is such a full circle story. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, it just, uh, I don't know. It warmed my heart a little bit about hearing where you just grind, grind, but you worked away in something that was passionate to you that you felt called to do, that was authentic to yourself. And, and you, you said people needed it. I just did it. You know, I just made it. And you're mm-hmm. authentic to yourself. And, and that authenticity, I think, resonates with people. 
And then you became known as, you know, without even trying, you became known as the person for couples interested in Gottman in your area, just through, not because of you, you had this master plan, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do these things and, and get these interviews and write these blog posts, which I'm sure are all helpful, but you, it just, you just worked at it and stayed true to your passions Mm -hmm. and the good things came. And I think that's a, a good message for people yeah. about niching and like being true to yourself. It's all kind of wrapped up together. Finding the dream clients or the dream people that you have a special skill for that mm-hmm. you can help them get their key results quicker or quickly. And it's easy for you because it's who you are. I think that's one of the whole key parts of, of growing and scaling is just being true to who you are. And finding the people who need what you have. And I just love your thing. People needed it. I built it. And and it took off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And not with the intention of, you know, becoming rich or anything like that. I mean, that's not what, you know, this field is really about. It is about, at least for me, it is about, um, you know, somebody, somebody ahead of me reached back and helped me along my journey. And that's what I do. And it is, I am, you know, every time somebody calls and says, hey, you know, can we, can we talk for a few minutes? I'm humbled and I'm humbled to sit with my clients and just so honored that they share their stories with me. And I have people who say, I've never told anybody this before in my life. And it is a moment that I, I respect, that I honor, that I recognize the importance in it. And that is what changes me. That is why I go to bed every night a different person and I won't come. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I could put a, a better bow on this episode than that statement. Um, uh, thank you for, for sharing the interview with me. So we're going to go into the, the one thing that we want people to remember from the show. Uh, there, there's a whole lot here. Maybe Maybe if you're struggling with some of the uh, like doubts and fears, you might want to listen to this twice because this is packed mm-hmm. with some great advice. But the thing, the thing that stood out to me most was uh, you said, uh, am I deciding my worth or am I letting other people define it for me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that just spoke to me because uh, there we are, we are, uh, the, we can get trapped in comparison. And I've talked about, this before in the the show but maybe that's why i'm talking about it again because it resonates with me that um you know am i how am i comparing myself am i comparing myself to the best me or i compare myself to what other thing i think other people want from me or expect from me and i really do think that the 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 good things from life that we talk about the joy the the business success helping other people that actually comes from your authentic self not from what you think other people think you should be doing so thank you for that message and it just really resonated with me you're welcome you're welcome so do you have a one thing that you want people to remember from the episode oh i would say let yourself dream let yourself take off the blinders. Be open to what is there waiting for you. There is an abundance of joy in life. It doesn't have to be 
defined in any certain way. Mm. Take the small moments and let yourself feel. Great, great advice. Well, th- and thanks so much for sharing with us today. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, where are you showing up online? Uh, yeah. Our website is um, www.embracerelationshipcounseling.com. Uh, and people can email me at anneandeembracecounseling at gmail.com. Great. Uh, well, Anne, this was an amazing interview. Thanks so much for being Thanks for so much for being on the show and sharing with us your wisdom. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it so much. I've enjoyed it. So uh, thank you for listening to the Scaling Therapy Practice. Uh, you, the listener, is why, why I do this show. It's one, my way to give back and to inspire people. Hope these shows are motivating and inspiring and just one more one more message that you can do it. You can, you can grow and scale your business, be authentic to yourself and make an impact in the world and keep the lights on. Like, you know, like you can do it. It's all those things. Um, this is James Marlin with Ann Buckhart, uh, with the scaling therapy practice. Just remember to keep making those small steps that lead to big results. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure you check out the links and resources at the end of the show uh, where I have the six steps of launching a profitable online course. That's going to be a handout and a webinar. PsychMaven resources, uh, the builder type assessment that we've been uh, promoting as a way to find new ways for your, your practice to scale, as well as where you can find Anne and her therapy practice and where you can sign up for the level up week for practice of the practice that's March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. Once again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, I really do appreciate all the listeners and all the feedback that we get. If you do want to uh, send in a question that you want answered or you have some general feedback for the podcast, you can email me James at coursecreationstudio.com. It's James at coursecreationstudio.com. I love getting feedback. As always, the opinions of the speakers and guests at the Scaling Therapy Practice is that of its hosts. It's not intended to be legal or therapeutic advice or even tax advice. You really need a professional. We recommend that you find a professional in your area that has the skills to help you with your various needs. Scaling Therapy Practice is part of the SciCraft Network.